second week of the Amen series. Uh, as we're going through this eight-week series looking at the book of John, the gospel of John, and some of the amen statements, the verily, verily, and truly, truly statements that Jesus spoke and how that uh, John wrote them down. And we're looking through the entire gospel of John, finding those statements and then pulling out messages that can apply to our life and help us to become uh, more in tune with what Scripture teaches and what it requires of us and ask of us. So this week is second week. We're in John chapter 3 this week. Uh, this is one of the, uh, we'll read through John chapter 3. We're going to read through verses 1 through 21. And there's several places uh, in John chapter 3 that deals with these statements, these verily, verily, or truly, truly statements that Jesus spoke. So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3, and we will read these verses Leslie's going to put them on the screen for us uh, so that we'll have them there. Let's stand as we read uh, John chapter 3. It says, There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us your mir miraculous signs or evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back to his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can, only re humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. How are these things possible, Nicodemus asked. Jesus replied, you are a respected Jewish teacher, and you don't know, don't understand these things. I assure you, we tell you what we will know, and we have seen, and yet you won't believe our testimony. But if you don't believe me when I tell you about earthly things, how can you possibly believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven and returned, but the Son of Man has come down from heaven. As Moses And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world but people love the darkness more than light, for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for they fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we rejoice in your salvation. And Lord, we just pray that our hearts would cry amen today. Lord, that we would understand and apply this word your gospel truth, the message of Jesus, of the born-again experience. God, I pray for every person in this room 
Lord, that their spirits would awaken within them. And, Lord, that our evil deeds would be exposed in the light of your gospel today. Lord, help us to see you and help us to see ourselves in the light of the truth. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says amen. You can be seated. This very well-quoted portion of Scripture in the earth today, you'll see uh, John 16, 316, you'll see it written on, uh, uh, like uh, Tim Tebow, he, he wrote it underneath of his eyes on the black of a, uh, for the playing football, and he wrote John 316, and I forget how many hits it was on uh, the Internet that day where people were Googling that Scripture to find out what that Scripture meant. So sometimes in the church world, we think everybody knows what John 3.16 is, when the truth is, the world don't know. The world does not know. And if they had to have, it was, it was in the millions of people that Googled that scripture that night when they saw that football game. And by being exposed to that scripture, they seen the truth of God. And we need to understand today that not everybody has heard, not everybody has seen what we have seen. Not everybody has experienced what we have experienced. And we ought to consider ourselves very blessed to be able to hear the gospel of Jesus on a weekly basis. Amen? There's people around the world that has not heard, they've not seen, and there's not been a witness come to them. We try our best as a church to be a missions church to send out missionaries to go proclaim Jesus to the world. Because I want everybody to hear John 3.16, don't you? I don't want to hoard it up for myself. I'm ready for the whole world to hear it and see it. And as we look at this story, it's just amazing to me that uh, some people, uh, uh, a lot of people in the church know John 3.16 and can quote it. They can uh, quote John 3.16. But not many that you meet, if you ask them who, was, who, what, where, when, why, and how in that story, if you try to get those answers out of most people in the church, most people don't know who it is or what they're talking about. So as we look at this today, I want us to look at it from the perspective of we don't, deal, we don't know everything we need to know. Look to your neighbor and say, you don't know everything you need to know. There's <laughs> a little bit more you need to know. You're, you, you might want to think you're a know-it-all. You, you might want to portray that you're a know-it-all. But I'm telling you right now, not anybody in this room knows everything they are to know about God. <laughs> Nobody in this room knows enough. We should all desire to know more. So as we look at this scripture today, this story, I want us to look into the story and see um, how that there was people in the story that thought they knew a lot, but really they didn't know much at all. The amazing part of this story to me is that Nicodemus was a religious leader. That's what Jesus told him. He said, you're a religious leader? You're a teacher, you're a Pharisee, and you're coming and asking me questions? It'd be like going and finding somebody that's got their doctorate degree in uh, uh, theological ministry or something, and, and them coming and asking uh, somebody in uh, that had just been saved a few weeks, coming and ask them, tell me some truths about Scripture. I don't know enough yet, and teach me. There's... It's just uh, like something, it's, it's something that doesn't happen a lot. Doctors don't ask questions. 
they don't ask you for the answers, right? They don't, they don't say, well, what do you think I ought to do for you today? If I, you think you need a, this kind of shot or that kind of shot? We don't even know how to pronounce the medicine, right? Doctors don't ask. They might ask you a question to find out what's wrong with you, but they don't ask you questions where that you give them the answers of what prescription you want. They know what the illness is and how to give you the cure for it. So as Nicodemus in this picture, he was basically one of the elite in Israel. He was one of the, the best Sunday school teachers of all of Jewish uh, scripture. And Nicodemus understood the Old Testament covenant of God. He knew if you got into the Old Testament and started breaking down Leviticus or, or Numbers or Deuteronomy or go into Judges and talk about the Kings and Chronicles or, or Psalms and Proverbs or Song of Solomon, he could go through those Bible, those Bible books and he could list you uh, how they apply and what they're for and what the reasoning was of God in the Old Testament. But you see, it's not enough to know the law of God without the grace of God. Some people just believe in the law of God but they won't apply the grace of God to their life they want to earn their way to heaven well there must not be nobody in the room like that there's people that want to earn their way to heaven they want to do good deeds to get to heaven they want to uh, their outwardly uh, appearances they want that to say that they're good enough to get to heaven but let me tell you right now God is not going to check your wardrobe out when you come to heaven he's not going to look and say well what did you wear when you go to church or what did you wear uh, why did you not bring your wardrobe with you when you came he's not going to look at that he's not going to look at the outward appearance of man he's going to look at the heart the Bible says he judges the heart and he knows the intents of our heart he knows why we think like we think he knows why we act like we act so in this story, I want us to see that Nicodemus, he, he was a person that knew enough about Scripture to know enough that he didn't know enough. He knew everything there was to know about the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. But he was smart enough to realize there's got to be more than this. When was the last time you came to God and said, I know I've experienced your salvation. I know I've experienced water baptism. And like Dusty said a little bit ago about the I Belong series, I know that I've experienced some things in you, God, but there's got to be more than this. When's the last time you came to God and looked at him and said, there has to be more than this? Is there any desire in your heart for that? Does anybody want more of God? More of God, not less of God. I see Christians today that are on a, a walk in life that they, they're walking away from church and leaving church because they want more of this world than they do more of God. Amen? Or oh me, one or the other. We're either going closer to God or we're going farther away from Him. There is no middle ground. There's no neutral state where you can say, I'm just going to stay right here. You're either slipping or you're climbing. What are you doing? It's time to make a decision today. I want to climb and go closer to God. I want more of God. I don't want to lose ground with God. I don't want to grow cold in my salvation. I don't want my heart to not feel the heartbeat of God. Is there seasons in my life where that I know that I was slipping? Absolutely. There's one amen in a crowd this morning. I'm the only one in here that's ever slipped away from God. Ernie, I'm the only one. 
No, nobody else has ever walked back on God or, or thought bad thoughts or slipped away and just said, well, I just can't do it no more. I'm just going to give up, and I'm just going to try to stay right here with you, God. I don't need any more of you. I don't need any less. I just want to stay right here. I'm just comfortable right here in this state I'm in. Nicodemus realized something. There's got to be more to God than what I know right now. And until you come to that point and that decision and make that decision in your mind this morning, I'm telling you, until you start hungering for God, you're not going to get more of God. I can't tell you this enough. anybody walked in this room this morning saying I hope God does something in me today or do we just come to just come and get our duty in my, I just come to get my weekly hours worth of service in I just come and meet a few people and shake a few hands and maybe sing one line of the three songs that we sang or just you know I'm not going to put anything in I'm not going to do I'm not going to have any effort on my part I just come to just be here I gotta be here I I, I guess I just gotta come to church that's what Christians I just gotta come to church either we're hungry or we're not I'm telling you when you miss meals your body gets hungry. I don't know about you, but I get hungry. There's a few times this past couple of weeks that I've been working and things was going and, and it was just busy in the office and, and it'd be we're supposed to go to lunch from twelve to one. I look up, it's twelve fifteen. Twelve fifteen. I I got I'm just gonna finish this, so I'll just take off and do something else. Didn't go to lunch. And by the time I get home from work, my belly feels like it's going to eat the side of my rib cage or something because I'm hungry. Has anybody else ever done that? I was hungry. What if our spirit man don't get fed anything? It ought to become hungry. There ought to be a growling, a, a grumbling, a, a churning on the inside of us that's saying, I need more. Is there anybody here that needs more of God? So as we look at this, we need to understand that Nicodemus said, I want more of God. And let me tell you where you can get more of God. you got to go to Jesus. The only way you're ever going to get any more of God is to go through Jesus. And the sooner you realize that, the better off you'll be. Because as Nicodemus come to Jesus, and Nicodemus was this uh, uh, doctor type person and he's asking Jesus a Nazarene somebody from Nazareth that was a carpenter he's asking him questions about God the sooner we see that I don't have all the answers I can't fix humanity I can't fix the nation of Israel that's slipping and sliding down this slope and pathway towards uh, uh, just the, the whole world is corrupt and messed up Nicodemus could have been worried about the tax system and how the people were exchanging money and cheating each other. And he could have been worried about all these things in the world around him. He wasn't worried about that. He come to Jesus and said, how can I get more of God? How can I get more of God? Jesus 
when we ask him a question, will give us an answer. I believe today that we should want more of God. And if I don't do anything else today, that maybe even spark the thought in your mind, the words you'll say, maybe Pastor Ben's right. Maybe I am slipping. Maybe I've not been doing enough. Maybe I've not been thinking about my Christian walk enough. And I'm slipping from God, and I can tell it. I can feel it. If I don't do anything else but spark the imagination that it might be that you need to get closer to God, that'll be enough during this service. If I do that alone. So Nicodemus comes to Jesus, and he asks this question. What's somebody got, what, what do you got to do to get to heaven? I want the kingdom of God in my life. What do I got to do? It's amazing to me that if uh, there's some studies in this uh, this text, that uh, this uh, talking points that they've got with this message series that says that 45% of Americans say that there's many ways to heaven. 45% of Americans say there's many ways to heaven. How many ways do you think there is to heaven? If there's 45% of Americans believe that, then we can roll that over into the church that probably 45% of the church believes that. Is there more way to heaven than one? How can you back that up scripturally? Do you have any scriptures that you can pull to say that this is why I believe what I believe? Not it's what I think or what I've drummed up in my own thought process, but this is what the Bible says? Because if you don't know what the Bible says, then you'll believe anything. Man can teach anything if it's not the Bible. But the Bible holds the truth. It is the light. The gospel is the light. The gospel salvation message. Only the Bible is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. That's what scripture teaches. So, and, and just looking through some of these numbers here, and they was asking some of the, even, even in the church, about uh, traditional views about salvation and, and about it being linked to the faith in Jesus. Just amazing. 67% of Catholics don't understand that truth that Jesus is the only way to heaven. 67%. Mainline Protestants, 55%, say that their heaven's gates are open wide in many ways. This is the Protestants, the one that uh, as a uh, they was protesting. You remember the story about Martin Luther and, and nailing his 99 theses to the wall over there on the church door. And he's, he's protesting what the church was teaching that time. He said, you're not telling people the truth. That's what the word Protestant means. Somebody that protests what's being taught because it's not the truth. I want to be somebody as a pastor that teaches truth of the scriptures. I don't want to teach my own philosophy. I don't want to teach my own thought process. I want to teach this is what God's word says, and it's final. There's no other answer than the Bible to teach me the truth of God. 
So as we see that in this message that, that, that there's that many people that believe there's all these paths and, and evangelicals, even evangelicals, this is, the, the, this is getting down to the nitty-gritty. This is people that believe you have to be born again, uh, evangelicals. 19% of them say there's more than one way to heaven. Are you afraid yet? Are you sitting there challenging in your mind, what do I believe yet? I hope you are. Because we need to solidify today, I believe Jesus is the answer for humanity. Was Jesus the answer for you or not? Could you make it to heaven on your own accord? Was there some guy's uh, good, uh, good tips to, to make yourself a better life? Is that how you're going to get to heaven? I don't think that's going to work. Jesus is the answer for our sin. He's the only way I'm ever going to make it to heaven. Is there anybody in here that believes this with me? Or am I alone? I don't want to be alone in this thought that Jesus is the answer to sin. There is no other way. Jesus teaches this. There's just so much in this story. And as Nicodemus asks this question, Jesus tells him, you must be born again. I, I'm an evangelical. I believe you have to be born again. What's that mean? What's it mean to be born again? As Jesus speaks this, it, it says something in Nicodemus, and he says, well, how can that be? You see, because our minds are human. We are carnal-minded. Whether we like it or not, whether we want to be that way or not, our minds are carnal. And Nicodemus, when he hears these words, you must be born again, he says, Jesus, how can I be born again? How can I go back to my mother's womb and be born a second time? And, and Jesus says, see, you don't even understand what I'm talking about. There has to be a, a birthing process in your spirit, man, to where that you're born into the kingdom of heaven the same way you was born into this earthly world. It's, it's a, a, a way that God brings you into his kingdom. I believe that you are an individual prior to your birth. Amen? How many believes that you are a human before you're born? When you're in your mother's womb, you are a human. At the point of conception, that is a human. It's truth whether we like it or not. That is the truth, that you are human. But there's a birthing process. Even though you're human in your mother's womb, there's a process that you have to come in through this process to be born so that you become human on the outside. Amen? So in the spirit world, there's a process where that God starts doing things and there's, there's things happening on the inside and it's, it's on the inside of you. And when God's word is spoken to you, the Bible talks about it that it's like seeds. That there's been many seeds planted in your heart. That if you heard preachers preach and if you heard Sunday school teachers teach and as you've heard these things, these examples given to you, that it puts seeds on the inside of your heart. Some plant and some water, but God gives the increase. And until God bursts you into his kingdom of God, you will not be a Christian. You can't think your way into becoming a Christian. 
It isn't a, a well, I've, you know, I've come through this and I, I've thought about it a lot and I'm going to think my way into being a Christian. The Bible says that nobody can come unless the Father draws them. Not Pastor Ben draws them or convinces them, but unless the Father draws them. So has he drawn you into his kingdom? If you're sitting here today and you're wondering, am I born again? Maybe that's a good question you ought to ask yourself. You think you was just a Christian because you was baptized in water? That's not going to get you to heaven. Amen? We have to be born of spirit and of the water. Both. It's both and. It's not either or. It's both. And as Jesus taught this principle, we are to be born again. Our spirit man to be made new, refreshed, that our sin, our old carnal nature is put off in our new man that we're putting on. So today, is there anybody in this room that will decide with me, I want to get closer to God? And if so, what are you going to do to get there? Who are you going to ask questions to? I get asked a lot of questions about things as pastor. There's people ask me questions that sometimes I don't like giving them the answer because I know I'm, not, I'm giving the answer they don't want to hear. But I've got to tell the truth. Whether I like it, whether I, whether I, I think it's going to hurt them or harm them or whatever, I've got to tell them the truth. So the only thing we need to do is tell the truth, right? So that's what Jesus told Nicodemus was the truth. And the truth, the Bible says, know the truth, and the truth shall make you free or set you free. So if Jesus tells you the truth today, if you're hungry for God, if you start and it's something ignites on the inside of you that says, yeah, you know what, I'm a deadbeat slug and I'm not doing very good in my Christian walk and I want to do better, today's the day I made a decision, I want to get better, I want to go closer to God, I want something to ignite within me and burn the fire once again, I'm, I'm tired of this drab of just feeling like I have to go to church, I, I want that desire back where I want to go to church. way you'll get it is just like Nicodemus got it. At the point of when you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I've been thinking for myself and I know I'm not good enough. I need some answers. The Bible says he won't withhold any good thing from you. If you ask Jesus for help, if you ask Jesus to give you passion again, if you ask Jesus to give you a, a heart of compassion that you, you will strive for the things of God once again, that you're tired of being, of being beat down and drugged down and it feels like the enemy has you conquered, if you're sick and tired of life as normal and the repetitive day-to-day -day things and it seems like there's no way out, there's no hope, if you have a heart of compassion and passion today to say, God, I need more, I believe he'll give it to you. I'm just simple-minded as that. I'm simple-minded enough to know that if you ask God, he will give you whatever you ask. He don't want to hold back and say, well, nah, I ain't so sure you're being real this time. If you come to God and ask him, he will give it to you. So today, when we're seeing this story and it unfolded, that Nicodemus is asking these questions, but the weird part is that I've heard so many sermons talk about that he came at nighttime. 
I've heard people put down Nicodemus for for uh, preaching and and come or at, not preaching, but coming to Jesus at nighttime, and they they said, you know, he, he must have been uh, afraid of his of his peers. He must have been afraid of the other Pharisees and Sadducees. He must have been afraid of other people when he come at nighttime. Sometimes you don't have to come to God in front of everybody. Amen. I don't want to have to. I don't want to put people down because they're afraid to ask questions in front of everybody. Not everybody's outspoken and belligerent like all the rest of us. It's maybe too loud. I know people put people down. Well, they're quiet. Oh, they're they're so reserved and back. They're just afraid to ask any questions. They're not afraid. That's their personality. And I believe God deals with personalities. And I believe we don't have to be loud. All of us to be loud mouth. Amen. And if Nicodemus wants to come at nighttime and ask Jesus some questions, I'm all for it. Amen. I, I I'm anxious for people to wake up in the midnight hour and say, "I've got a few questions, Jesus," and lay in your bed and say, "Jesus, I need some answers tonight." And I don't believe he's going to say, "Well, you come to me at nighttime. You're you're just sliding around in the darkness." I, he ain't going to look at you like that. He's going to say, "If you want answers, I've got them." So today. Will you be like Nicodemus and ask questions? Sometimes even in the silence of the moment of where nobody else is listening, it's just you. It's just you. And you're not doing it for a show in front of other people. You're not trying to get sympathy from other people. It's just you and Jesus. I desire that today. I desire it in my own life. I'm just praying that you will too. So, as we look at this story, and Nicodemus asks these questions, even in nighttime hours, he still gets an answer. And as Jesus talks, as Jesus talks, can we apply that to us? Would Jesus give you the same answer that he gave Nicodemus? I believe, yes, he would. Can you go back to verse 15 that tossed us? I want us to look at these couple of scriptures here because these are the ones that uh, I think we need to know. Everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Talking about Jesus, talking about the Son of God. Verse 16, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus didn't come to judge. He didn't come to condemn. He came to give answers. And if people like Nicodemus that had studied their Bible their whole life through from, from very early childhood, from the age of five, Nicodemus would have went through this Jewish process of staying in the synagogue on a daily basis and studying about the scriptures of God his whole life. If he still had questions, I can tell you that there was a lot of people in Israel that had some questions. And I know in the culture that we live in, we can look at people that's been in church for 30, 40, 50 years of their adult life and they've studied the scripture and they, they know the stories of the Bible and they, they still look in and dig and read and try to understand what God is talking about. And some of us don't have all the answers, even after that point. 
I've been in, I grew up in church my whole life. I've I've studied the scripture. I try to stay in tune with 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 reading and and knowing what God's word says about circumstances in my life. But I still got a lot of questions. I still have a lot of questions. If Nicodemus had questions, I guarantee you everybody in this room still got questions. Having a question's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. The only thing is, what are you going to do with that question? Are you going to go to Ernie and ask Ernie, well, what do you think about this? Or are you going to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you mean by this? Because when we talk to him, we get answers. Can I say that again? When we talk to Jesus, we get answers. And I'm telling you today, if you will go back to the source of where your salvation comes from, you'll get answers in your life. I'll answer anything you ask me. I'll do my best to try to give you scriptures to help you in, in, in searching for truth in God's word. As a pastor, I believe that's my job, is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. It's my job to help you and encourage you and strengthen you. But I believe in my whole heart that sometimes I can't give you what you need. Sometimes you need to go to Jesus. What would church be like? What would a church service be like if we had 30 people that would walk in next Sunday that had spent this whole week asking Jesus a lot of questions and getting a lot of answers and people coming in next week with passion, with enthusiasm, with something to say, guess what God did in me this week rather than sitting around looking like you've had a, a bad batch of french fries or something. I don't know. <laughs> what would it be like? What would it be like if a church was full of passionate people that asked Jesus questions and got answers? That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. I don't like being a part of a, a dead, dried up, just uh, set back and, 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 and everything. I, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be a church that's passionate about Christ. I can't encourage you enough today. I can't say it enough times. You need more of God in your life. I just want you to realize it. There's more of God for everybody in this room. I don't care at what point or what level you think you're at. There is more of God that you can get if you'll go after him. Today's the day. This is the moment. Hopefully this word today will encourage you to move forward in that. And as Nicodemus, I believe this scripture, as, as we read this scripture and see Nicodemus, go through and read the rest of your Bible and try to find points of where Nicodemus was. I believe his heart got changed when he asked these questions because you can find him in the end of Jesus' life when Jesus is being crucified, Nicodemus is around. When Jesus is before the, the, the great body, the big judgment seat of, of Israel, and they're trying to divide what to do, there's Nicodemus is going to be there and say, and he speaks up because his heart got changed. These answers are there. So won't you stand today? Forty-five percent of Americans say there's more ways than one ways to heaven.
probably just a decade or two away. If things don't change, there won't be little Bethesda buildings where people can come and hear about Jesus. If America continues on this path that we're on, what you're experiencing today won't be experienced within about 20 years from right now. Does that concern you at all? Or do you not even care? If we claim we're a Christian nation and we want to believe and and proclaim that we are a Christian nation and, and we desire Christian principles in our elected officials and we desire this and desire that and it's all about outspoken things that we want but we're not being Christian ourselves. The best way for America to stay a Christian nation is for Americans to be Christian. It don't come from the government. I'm telling you right now, your answers is not, it don't come from the White House. <laughs> your answers come from heaven. And the more of a relationship we have with Jesus and the stronger we are passionately pursuing Jesus, the better off America will be. anybody here that will raise their hand and say, Pastor Ben, I've got some questions. And you've encouraged me today that I'm going to go ask Jesus for some answers in my life. Is there anybody here that will just raise their hand and say, that's me. I'm going to go ask him for some answers. I've got some questions and I need some answers. And God, I'm going to go to him. raising their hands, 12. I want to pray over you. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. God, I ask you for these people that raised their hand that said they have some questions. Lord, that there's something on the inside of them has sparked during this message today. And God, they're going to come asking you for some answers. Lord, they've got questions in their life and as some of these things are rising up in them, Lord, that they can feel that they're struggling in their walk with you. And God, they're desiring more of you today. There's something sparked this morning on the inside of them. Lord, your spirit is at work. God, I pray today, Lord, as they come to you this week, Lord, that they would hear your voice. Lord, that it would be so clear. It would be crystal clear to them. And Lord, that they wouldn't challenge whether it's you or not. But Lord, they would walk out what you ask them to do. And God, that when they ask you these questions, Lord, that you won't withhold any good thing from them. You promised us in your word. Lord, if they ask for bread, you'll give them bread. You won't give them a stone. And Lord, we know in your word that it's truth. So God, I pray today that answers come this week. Lord, that their strength would be renewed. Their passion would be renewed. And Lord, they would be refreshed like never before. Lord, make Bethesda a place that is passionately searching for you seeking you, looking for you, and listening to you.
Jesus' name I pray. Bless us, Son. us to have a special prayer today for one of our dear brothers. It's in the Kentucky Assemblies of God. We have a campground that's down in Louisville called Camp Crestwood. It's an awesome place. Our teenagers have went for youth camp. Our children have went for children's camp. They have, I don't know, there's probably 15 buildings that's there. It's a big, huge campground, multiple acres. It's it's an amazing, amazing place. And this past week, they hire a, a caretaker that always takes care of all the buildings and keeps the maintenance done. He, he's just a, a person. And all through when I was coming up in church, it was the same old guy that was always there. And, and then he retired about, uh, I don't know, probably about 2007 or eight somewhere in there. He retired, and, and they hired a new guy, and he'd come down somewhere up in the northeast 
brought his family down here and he spent every working hour. He's kept it so nice. He's kept the campground so nice for kids. And Wednesday, his heart stopped. And they tried to revive him and they done different things to try to keep him going and had him in ICU and multiple things. His family was requesting prayer and we was praying for this guy. And he uh, winded up, they, he just slipped away and he passed away. His name's Frank. He leaves behind some kids and a wife and I believe as a church, as a body, we should pray for him, for his family, that they would be strengthened during this time. Amen. Won't you just grab your neighbor by the hand, if you will, and I want us to pray together for Frank's wife and for his son, that God would just strengthen them through this time, that they would be encouraged, that Jesus would give them answers. Lord, we come to you today in Jesus' name, and Lord, we just ask for your comfort and your peace and your mercy over Frank and his wife, Lord, over his family. Lord, I pray over all those that he's had influence in their life, Lord, for the district officials within Assemblies of God. Lord, I pray for Pastor Joe. Lord, I pray for Rodney, for Stan and the, the ladies at the office, God, that knew him on a daily basis, that they had direct contact with Frank all the time. Lord, I pray for their minds. Lord, I pray for comfort for them. Lord, I pray for your peace that passes all understanding would cover over the Kentucky's Assemblies of God. Lord, for all the kids that Frank ministered to, Lord, in my mind, I'm seeing these pictures of these kids that Frank uh, let run a backhoe, and Lord, different things that he's done, that he helped them build rock uh, things down there, Lord, with the grill and all that, Lord, that he was just a man that loved kids, and he loved you. God, I pray for his family today. Give them comfort and peace during this trying time. Jesus, you've got the answers. We ask that you supply them today. In Jesus' name.